0: Hey everybody and welcome to learning from smart people. I am your host, Rob Oliver, and I appreciate you being with me today. Today's smart person is Drew Donaldson. He is a fellow Pennsylvanian, which makes him an exceptionally smart person. Uh, Drew is a strategist, a coach, and an acceleration consultant. He is the founder of Grow House or, I'm assuming that I'm, you won't shoot me for the, uh, you know, any mispronunciation. I, so for those of you who are not familiar with uh, Pennsylvania, we have a, we have a Pennsylvania Dutch community and they, they speak German. And so when we have a lot of German spellings on things, and so Growhaus is G-R-O-H-A-U-S. Um, so I, hopefully I did it justice. Growhaus is a marketing training organization dedicated to helping business owners and marketers become competent, strategic and efficient in their marketing. Drew also serves as chairman of the board of Fort the Fort Safety Organization whose mission is to protect children from online threats such as cyberbullying, digital born addictions and online predators. Drew, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Rob. It's it's a pleasure to be here.
0: No problem at all. So let's do this. Tell me a little bit about your backstory. Tell me, how did you get to where you are today and um, start doing what you're doing?
1: I will get to that, but I want to give you a compliment first uh, from from a marketer uh, perspective. Naming your show, uh, Learning from Smart People, has got to be the most strategic podcast name I think I've ever heard in my entire life. You must never get denied Guests for shows, because who wouldn't want to be on the learning from smart people podcast. So uh, I just, I just, when I, when it came across my desk, I was like, this guy is must be some kind of marketing genius naming it. Uh, Cause no one else took it. No one else took that name. And it's such a, it's such a, a, a great strategy. Okay. Um, the,
0: before you answer the question, then let me just tell you that it actually has been a source of contention with all of my friends they're like, why have you not had me on the podcast? Obviously I must be stupid because otherwise you would have had me on your podcast and everybody can learn from me. Uh, You know, so um, thank you for the compliment. And yeah, it was, it wasn't a stroke of genius. It was the reality that I want to bring in people who know more than I do so that I can learn from them. So there we go.
1: Well, uh, you you got humility on rap as well. So I, I, I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, my story really starts about 15 minutes from where I live now. Um, I was born and bred in Pennsylvania by two small business owners and, uh, growing up in that environment, I really got to see the struggles of business ownership. And it's something I became really passionate about. My dad ran a, a, a greenhouse and, uh, my mom ran an insurance agency. And, uh, one of the things I like to say is my dad grew tomatoes, I grow businesses. And so, that passion for small businesses and being surrounded with them really kind of carried me through my career. Um, I actually started in uh, media. I, I worked right out of college. I worked in New York at a lot of big studios, but quickly kind of lost my taste for it. I just didn't have the, uh, the passion or the motivation to grow in that, in that field uh, that I thought I would coming out of school. So I made a change and uh, s- kind of gradually transitioned my career into marketing and it was kind of at a perfect time because it was right at the advent of businesses being on youtube because i had a production background and i knew a little bit about marketing i found uh it pretty easy to become a consultant uh telling small businesses how to start putting video online how to start shooting video um and again this is you know you got to remember what technology was like this was not today with cameras that have 4k built into our cell phones this is like very very early on Uh, And so I made a a good living doing that, and uh, I ran the video department at uh, St. John's University in Queens, New York for a while, and I worked in some agencies, and uh, gradually, I I kind of built this reputation of being a production fixer. So whenever a company was having an issue, I would kind of come in and fix it, and part part of that process of fixing things is teaching people what they're doing wrong in the most cordial and professional way possible. So it's, I became very good at teaching people of all skills, what they were doing wrong in a nice way. And then not only teaching them what they're doing wrong but showing them how to fix it mm. and that just kind of gave me the background to start uh coaching on on strategy and, and uh kind of accelerating success as small business owners so i started grow house in 2020 as i was winding down a, a big consulting gig with another organization and uh i launched it with the goal of like how can i give back to small business owners how can i how can i Um, help them because at the end of the day, they're the ones that need strategy the most. They're the ones that are making the biggest strategic mistakes in their business because they just don't have time to learn. They don't have time to go and study marketing the way I study marketing. They don't have time to watch countless hours of YouTube videos to figure out how to run Facebook ads successfully. What they do have is a passion for what they do. They're technicians and what they need is someone and to kind of come in and say listen if you want to be successful this is the stuff you need to do so that was really the foundations of grow house and that's uh, that's where we find ourselves today
0: okay so I've got a, my brain works in a unique way but you're talking about your dad growing tomatoes and you growing businesses okay and with the greenhouse when you plant the seeds everything is done under the shelter of the glass enclosure of the greenhouse where the conditions are right and the light is right, the temperature is right, and you eliminate all of the, the, you know, all of the possible, or not all of them, but a lot of the possible things that could go wrong by having it in a greenhouse. Businesses, for the most part, grow in the real world. How do you address, you know, protecting the business so that it can grow, um, you know, by adjusting or keeping it in a place where it can grow safely and the the elements for growth are there as much as possible
1: it's a really good question i think the the logo the the grow house logo the grow house brand is about the nurturing you receive by coming through our coaching and mentorship program things can happen in a greenhouse too you can have pests, you can have, you can overwater stuff, you can over fertilize stuff, you can have, you know, one time on the on my family's farm, one of the greenhouses, uh, the heating unit broke in the middle of winter, and they lost a bunch of stuff in March that they were supposed to be mm-hmm. planning in the next month. So though so all those things can happen, just just being inside a grow house is not necessarily a, a you know, recipe for success. But the idea is that, these businesses need some level of nurturing to succeed if they're just out in the elements if you take a little sprouted tomato and you just stick it outside it's going to wither and die because it has everything going against it it's really small the world's a whole big place and it's very volatile for, for, for a new plant. Now you give that plant some time to grow, you have it be you know maybe a six inch plant. And now all of a sudden you can leave that outside, even if it's in a little pot and it'll do pretty well, it'll get those roots. So the idea behind Grow House was not that I'm gonna protect you from everything uh, out there in the world. Yeah, the economy could take a tank. Your product could go out of style. All of those things could happen. What my job is, is to nurture the passion that you have as a business owner and protect you from things you can't avoid, right? Protect you from the frost you know it's coming, right? right. If, we, if any of you are gardeners out there, you know, the worst thing in the world is going out on April and buying a whole a rack of plants and coming home and putting them in the ground. And then what do you hear on the news that night? Well, it looks like a late frost this year and all of that work gets wiped out. That's what I'm here to protect. I I can't prevent you from, from, I I can't prevent your business from failing at the end of the day. Uh, But what I can do is protect you from the, the knowable, the things that I know are going to happen because I've seen it time and time again, and then help you build that foundation, build that root system so that your business can take life and be more resilient at the end of the day. That's really what it's about.
0: Okay. So what I hear you saying is that there is a, it's a two-sided thing. Number one, it is protecting you from the things that you can be protected from. And number two, providing you with the, the fertilizer, so to speak, um, the, the water, the fertilizer, the, the components for growth that would be, you know, that are available to you and, you know, can help with that. I, all right. So the goal is business growth. The goal is to see businesses succeed. Can you talk about... You know, like what are, do you have some ideas for steps for success? Like, is there something that people should be doing early on in that process to say this, this would be my suggestion of the first step towards success?
1: So the thing that everybody skips, and this, this is probably 90 to 95% of all business owners is they skipped idea validation. Um, the people that you find most successful in small business validated the idea before they invested even their first thousand dollars. and validation is not hard. everybody thinks you need a research team and millions of dollars to validate a concept. it really can be as simple as asking your 15 closest friends if you did something if they would pot, buy from you and then if they say no, well then you, you're you're dead in the water right because if the people that most that most support you can't even muster up a lie to tell you they would buy from you then what what good? are the next 15 people that you don't know going to try. So what I always recommend is ask those 15 people, ask your mother, ask your wife, ask all the people around you, "Hey, do you think this is a good idea?" And if everybody says no, then you probably don't have a good idea. If everybody says yes, now go out into your network and ask 15 colleagues, "Is your is this a good idea? Would you buy this? Could you see other people buying this?" take the feedback from there. And then you keep moving on. As long as there is always a majority of those 15 people that think it's a good idea, the next step would then be to go to cold traffic, go out on LinkedIn, find people in your target market and send them an email, say, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just trying to validate an idea. Would you mind if we jumped on a five minute Zoom conversation so I could just pitch you this idea and you could just give me feedback on it? Doing that is scary for a lot of people, but it shouldn't be because it's actually it's actually working in the inverse of how people think. People think, oh man, you know George, the president of Atmico is gonna get this message on LinkedIn. He's gonna think I'm such an idiot and he's gonna think like so lowly of me that I, I don't have a business yet. I don't have a website I can send him. I don't have anything. The reality is you might have just made George's day because what you did is you inflated George's ego. George, you know, George might have had a really rough day. And then you, this fledgling business owner are looking up to the great George president of Acme Co. And it's like, you know, please, sir, can I have five minutes of your time to just get your, your honest feedback, because I respect you so much. And a lot of this is in the presentation of that email. I'm not shortchanging the, the need for good copywriting. I'm, right. I'm a copywriter at heart. So like that is important, but that's how you validate an idea. You go through that process. And at the end, if you have 15 cold people on LinkedIn and the number is really irrelevant. It's just a majority of people on LinkedIn that, that say, yeah, no, I would, I could definitely see buying something and here's what I would buy or here's what I would change. Your idea is validated. And now you start building too many people do the opposite and they say, I have a great idea. And then they pay for a $5,000 website and they pay for a, uh, you know two thousand dollar a month marketing plan from some local business and then they s- sign a 10 year lease on a facility if it's like a brick and mortar business and they spend all this money and then they throw the doors open and no one shows up and they're like why is this happening to me well it's happening because no one wants your product or service there was there was no need for it there was no space mm. in the market for it. there's no you didn't validate it so that's the number one thing that's that's step one in my opinion
0: okay um and of course, with all LinkedIn stuff, I would suggest do not send, you know, um, do not write copy and send it to everybody, send it to George and Sue and Ishmael and, you know, uh, make sure that you're individualizing those, um, those requests. Um, And yeah, it's funny. I'll give you a quick story. And when I was growing up, Listen to Southern storytellers, and the one guy tells a story about him and his buddy were out hunting possums one night, and by the train tracks, and they hear like a hundred car freight train coming, and his buddy gets his flashlight, puts a red bandana over it, and jumps out in front of the train, starts waving this thing that looks like a red light, and the train like screeches to a halt, almost runs the guy over. The, the conductor or the uh, engineer gets out and says, like, "Can I help you with something?" And the guy says, "Well." we're out here hunting possums and we just want to know if you wanted to buy one. <laughs> and the, g- the guy says, well, like you mean to tell me you risked your life in front of a hundred car freight train to do this? And the guy says, well, yeah. And the guess you're, you're out of your mind, but being as I stopped, like, I don't mind eating them. So yeah, I'll take one. And the guy says, well, we haven't caught any yet. I was just conducting research to find out whether or not you would want one, <laughs> which sounds to me like idea validation. If that's, uh, if that makes any sense.
1: I'm- yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. So, you know, a lot of people try for idea validation and it's, it's, it's kind of sad. Honestly, they'll go to like um, one of Gary V's conferences or Russell Brunson's conferences. And as he's like walking out the door and he's got press around him and people trying to talk to him, they'll try to like squeeze in and pitch an idea. And that's a hundred percent the wrong way, because first off, you're not going to have enough time with that per- with Gary Vee, even if it's a great idea, you're not going to have enough time with him to get any any reasonable amount of feedback that's going to give you the next steps to succeed, because Gary V might not even be the market for it, right? Or Russell Brunson, or or Grant Cardone, or any of those big guys. So that's that's kind of like your your uh, analogy there. They're the speeding train. Don't get in front of the speeding train. Don't you don't even need to go for a CEO of a major organization if if not a CEO at all. Just try to find normal people. are are working in that role who you think are going to be those accessible folks um the bigger the profile the bigger the company the the bigger the gatekeeper and the harder it is to break in Um, there are plenty of businesses under there out there in the 1 million to 5 million dollars in revenue that will give you amazing feedback and no one is asking their opinion even though they're probably spending thousands of dollars on whatever you're doing i mean it doesn't that's kind of a b2b example. You could do the same exact thing on Facebook by leveraging Facebook groups. If say you're a, a dog, you want to make stuff for dogs, right? You go out and you've joined a bunch of groups on, about dogs on Facebook. You message the admin and you say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm starting this business. I know I'm not supposed to promote in the group, but I just, can you just, you know a lot about dogs. You have this huge group. Can I just show you what I have, and can you tell me if you like it? If it's something you think other dog owners would buy, again, you're boosting their ego, and the benefit there is what they will probably do is say, if they if they like it, they'll say, yeah, no, I really like that. And now it gives you an opportunity to now validate that idea with the entire group, and cool. so there's there's the, the validation works whether you're B two B or B two C. Um, it's just a slight tweak in where you find that audience.
0: Okay, I, what about mentors? What are your thoughts on like? Cause so to me, um, you know, you, your first 15 people are your family and friends, and those are the people that are most likely to say yes. And then, you know, having, having somebody who's kind of been there and done that, that you float your idea by, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on mentorship and mentors?
1: I think it's wonderful. I mean, I, you know, I, obviously I would, because that's what I do, but I, I really think that the biggest the biggest impact in my life, in terms of education, was not the school I went to, it was not the courses I've taken or the webinars I've watched. It's the mentors I've had, um, because when it when it comes to trying to walk a path you've never walked before, it certainly helps to have a guide, um, and. I think the, the thing that people discount with mentors, mentorship has kind of gotten a bad rap because there are two types of mentors. There are engaged mentors and there are disengaged mentors. And a disengaged mentor is as good as anyone else on the street. I mean, I could walk up to the guy that, you know, just walked out of the diner down the street and ask him the same questions. And if he's not engaged with me, he's not gonna give me very good advice. So it's not just about finding a mentor that has has been there who can help you. It's having someone that's engaged in your process, who will ask you questions, who will play mind mind games with you. Good mind games, by the way, um, not not the kind of like you know gaslighting, um, but but be able to work out with you exactly what your idea is. And show you how the the errors in your ways, the the things that you're not doing well, hold you accountable for the things that you said you were going to do and either did or didn't. And then also teach you the ropes of what's that next thing I need to do. So like the the one of the things I value, even as a, a as a coach myself and uh, you know as a successful business owner, I still call my uncle who is an even greater success than I am in this field, and I talk, I pitch him every idea I have. And he and, and he and I will go back and forth and there are plenty of times where he says, that's a terrible idea. And I say, are you sure? And he's like, yep. And I go, okay, that's that's the nail in the coffin for that idea. I'm not going to follow that idea because he knows six steps ahead all the stuff I'm going to face and he now just shortcutted all that pain so that just like idea validation. You're, you're taking the shortcut. You're saying, instead of me having to go and build this thing and then test the whole rigmarole, you're saying, getting right to the point of like, hey, is this a good idea? Am I doing this right?
0: Okay. Um, how do you deal with the people who are ahead of their time or who are visionaries who, uh, you know, because there's the old story, and I don't know whether it's true or not, but I've heard it, that uh, FedEx was started by ex-UPS employees who, went to management and said you know before the days of overnight delivery they said what about ups doing overnight delivery and ups said like we deliver things very fast like why would anyone need that and they decided it turns out that now you have a brand that is you know the synonymous with the product where you you say we're going to fedex something even if you use ups you know Um, What's your what are your thoughts about that dynamic in there where there are people some people sometimes you have an idea that is a good idea, but um people may not see the the vision in it right away.
1: So a engaged mentor is not a dream catcher a dream crusher, okay, but they are in a realist, right? So that's a thin line to walk because I've had plenty of people pitch me ideas that were not good and I've told them they're not good. But the reason I've told them not good is not because they're crazy. It's because there's a better way to do what they're doing and it's already been done. Mm. That's, that's the only reason, right? So take for example, um, uh, Amazon, right? Amazon largest retailer on the planet at the point. If I had a client come to me and say, "I want to start an e-commerce business," I said, "Great. What do you want to sell? Everything—books, uh, movies, TVs, T-shirts." I'm going to say it's not a good idea. That's not me crushing their their dreams. That's me saying that's exactly what Amazon does. You're not a you're not being a visionary in that point. Now, say someone came said and came uh, came and said, um, "I have an idea. It's a it's an e-commerce company. We sell you know a, we sell a bunch of stuff." same pitch, but all of it is delivered via drone, mm. right? And it's at your house in 20 minutes or less. Now that's a good idea because Amazon can't compete with that. Even though you're selling the same product, listen, if I, you know, my, my daughter needed um, a prescription the other day, right? right? Right. I ran out right away to get it, right? It would have been, I, I took, you know, 40 minutes out of my time to go to the pharmacy and come back And I know for people who live in cities, listening to this are like 40 minutes, where'd you go? New Jersey. And it's like, no, it's, it's just, everything is much more spread out here in the country. So like, it's, that's, that's how long it took to go there and back from the pharmacy. So that was a huge chunk out of my day that I had to go and do that. If I could have just hit a button on my phone and had it airlift into my backyard. Heck yeah. I'm paying for that. Like even at a premium, I'd pay twice what I would have paid at the pharmacy if it would have gotten here, uh, you know, as, as quickly. So that's that's the whole thing is when you find a mentor if they're a dream catcher or dream catcher not dream crusher not dream catcher they're a dream crusher they're not for you but you also need to have the self-reflective ability to understand when someone is crushing your dreams and when someone is being a realist and helping you work through those challenges one of the most important things for a business owner to have is an open-minded attitude Um, Lack, lacking that is the key
0: to to failure. Okay, Um, let's let's talk about that. You, your concept of pitching good ideas, pitching bad ideas. Is there is there a way to have that conversation where somebody, when somebody pitches an idea, you say like that's a it's that's a bad idea, but let's talk about are there. Are there other possible ways to do this? Or are there ways to tweak it that would take a bad idea to become a good idea, or a bad idea is just bad ideas, and you gotta let them go?
1: So uh, the my the way I validate uh, my ideas at this stage before I bring them to anybody, and I've, i I I we my uncle and I actually kind of developed this game, and we didn't put a name to it until about a year ago. And now, whenever I have an idea, I will text him and say, "I need to I need to play the what about game with you." right? And he knows exactly what that what that means. And, And essentially, the game breaks down like this, I go and tell you my idea. And then you say, Okay, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And instead of you attacking me and saying that idea doesn't work. Here's why here's the 10 reasons you're putting the onus on me to explain away the problems inside my idea and by doing that you're creating a positive coaching experience and what you're also doing in that moment is you're teaching that person um and and i don't mean teaching in in a condescending way because we all have to learn but you're teaching that person how to either solve those problems or realize that those are unsolvable problems so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually uh, speak from a, a real idea I had just so you can kind of see how this, this worked. I had this crazy idea to do this. Um, I called it the magical marketing box. And the idea was that you could send an email and it could be for any marketing asset you wanted, right? A landing page, a email, template, whatever. You could send it uh, an email to it. And uh, for a low monthly fee, you would get it back within a week. And you could just hit that inbox as many times as possible. And it would just, it would just show up in your inbox. So I'm playing this game. And my uncle says, so what if someone wants something really expensive? I say, well, um, I, just have to, I just have to limit what kind of things they could ask for. Like they couldn't ask for a website. He goes, okay. Says, what if they want multiple pieces of content? I say, well, um, we'd have to break. you know, that each piece of content would have to be a different task. And he says, okay, well, what about, um, I forget what the third one was, Uh, what if someone wants more? Okay, well, we'd have to have different tiers. And so we play this game for like an hour and he asked me all the questions. And as I'm talking through the answers, I'm realizing how bad of an idea this is. Because I realize the simplicity of the idea, a magical marketing box, right? You send an email and you get something back, is slowly being diluted with all of these stipulations I now have to put into it. And at the end of that conversation, all these stipulations I put to protect the business idea, I've just become a marketing agency. And so it's not a good idea. It's just it's exact it's it's that's all it is. It's just a marketing agency. So it's not a unique idea it's not anything special it's just not a good idea and so the what about game can be really enlightening in a non-confrontational way and it's it, it also goes back to having an open mind though because if you have a closed mind it's not a game that's going to work for you um you have to and you also have to be working with a partner that has the same kind of outlook as that they're going to they're going to help you they're not going to criticize you they're not going to try to pop your balloon they're going to let you pop the balloon yourself. They're just here to keep filling it with air. Right. Okay. So playing that game is a, a, a really helpful way to uh, quickly kind of pre validate an idea with a coach. Um, and it's something I recommend all of my business owners do whenever they're launching a new product, a new brand, anything like
0: that. Okay. Uh, so in we're almost out of time. And so in 30 seconds or so, how do you how do you help people with the fact that like i hate crit. i I don't take criticism well okay i live in a world where if you say something nice about me i give you an odd g shucks that's just like i'm lucky to be that way or i'm blessed and if you say something that's like well you this could use improvement i take it personally i'm like i'm a terrible person i'm a failure and like uh how do you like how do you help people with handling criticism or what's the relationship between um handling criticism and success?
1: So I, I think your your ability to take criticism in any forms is directly correlated to success. You don't have to take all criticism equally. Like if someone walks into your store and starts saying, this store sucks and you don't sell anything good and I don't want to ever shop here again. You have a right to be upset about that. Like someone just came in and, and trashed something that you're passionate about. But I think the difference is when you're working with someone, especially like a mentor or someone that cares about you, and they're giving you criticism, to be understand that that is coming from a place of love, not hate. Hmm. They're doing it for your benefit, not your your um, not not to hurt you or to insult you. And I think people often think all criticism is equal, and they because they think all criticism is equal, they treat it as equal, and so they get into this cycle of they bring an idea to somebody, they don't respond positively immediately. And then they, they retreat back in their cell and say, they don't understand my vision. No, they're just trying to help you achieve it. They're not trying to hurt you, but because it's especially nowadays with how people are online, we all know how nasty people get, people get very defensive. And so one of the parts, uh, just like being open-minded, you, you really need to kind of let your guard down if you're ever going to grow. You know, it, it would be the equivalent of, you know, trying to, to, to grow a tomato and not showing it like it gets a, a fungus on it or something, and you don't want to show anybody or you don't want to ask any questions. And so what happens? It withers and dies, right? It's not going to survive because you don't know how to fix it. So it, it's really important to be open to that feedback and just to understand that uh, the people that you're going to need to, 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 you need to have that love and trust kind of relationship. Doesn't even need to be someone close. I'm in, a, in, a, in a, a group with other mentors right now, and we can be very brutally honest with each other about how we design our programs or how we think things should run. And because we know we're all there to support each other, we're, I'm not—we're not worried. We, we, I don't leave those meetings having one of my ideas shot down feeling like, boy, those guys are so mean, like what a bunch of jerks. No, it's that hey, they're telling me because I'm going to find out sooner or later. They're just shortcutting me. It's True. all about shortcuts.
0: Right. But, and I think that that's very important for both people receiving criticism and those who are sharing, you know, feedback that is not the, like, you have the greatest idea in the whole wide world. Like this was even, this would have even been great before sliced bread. So uh, there you go. Listen, Drew, if somebody wants to learn more about you or find out, find out um, what you do, where can they find that information?
1: So they can visit me online, rowhouse.org. It's G-R-O-H-A-U-S.org. And uh, you really, uh, you can read all about our our marketing coaching programs there. They are open to any small business owner or marketer uh, that is just, just needs a a hand. And I'd be happy to uh, offer your listeners a free coaching session. They'd like it. Um, These are not sales sessions. I know everybody's calling like coaching sessions now and it's just, a sales pitch i don't do that i don't like it um i've been on those calls i'm you know I'm, I'm the same as all of you i don't like uh i don't like the feeling of getting the bait and switch so it's a it's a 50 minute call and it is it's all about you so you bring whatever challenges i'll help you work through them. And uh, if you decide at the end of it, you want to work together, that's fantastic. But I'm not going to push you either way, because um, like I said, it's it's up to you as the as the business owner to make those kind of decisions about what's going to be right for your business.
0: All right. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Uh, listen, Drew, you've been you've shared a tremendous amount. Um, it is now time for three questions to establish your humanity. Are you ready for these, my friend?
1: This is like a podcast Kafka. Uh,
0: something like that. Um <laughs> So, would you rather ride a bike, ride a horse, or drive a car?
1: Hmm, like for the rest of my life, or just a one-off kind of thing? Uh,
0: To, you know what? For the rest of your life.
1: The rest of my life, I'd ride a horse, man.
0: how can you like how can you not ride a horse it, it, just riding it
1: it's just so much more exciting than the other two options like if it was a if it was a one-off thing yeah. i might say like oh i'd like to go on a bike ride you yeah. know, or something like that but yep. man can you imagine pulling up to wendy's on a horse hey, well, like,
0: going through the drive-thru right you yeah know, I,
1: actually so. my cousin she she buys and sells horses and trains them and stuff and she she put out a tiktok video for going through the drive-thru getting coffee that's <laughs> on a horse that I was is... like, You're such a brilliant like that is awesome.
0: Phenomenal. Uh, when you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: <sighs> Man, well, I, I wanted to play football for Notre Dame. Okay, and that was a big thing. And I never did that. I never knew even playing football, <laughs> but I really wanted to do that. And then when I was a little bit older, I really I was really into boxing. I really loved Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson and uh, uh, Mickey uh, Ward. And uh, so I want to be a boxer and then I realized getting punched hurts and that wasn't really cool. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, I think the thing I, I most wanted to be for the longest part of my life was a musician, um, you know, one of the things that's really important for anyone that's trying to chase their dreams is to understand when you're just not skilled enough or when you don't have the, the talent, the built in just, you know, genetic talent and talent is very much genetic. Not all skills can be learned. Sure. Um, I'm a big believer in that. Uh, and, and know when to quit. Um, and that's really what I did with music. I just knew that I, I was not, I didn't have the right gene to be massively successful in that. And so I decided, hey, I gotta find something else to do. Um, so I think those are, those are the main things. And then it was shortly after it was like, well, what, what do I like doing? And that was like where I've gotten to film.
0: Got it. Okay. Um, this last question is a Pennsylvania-specific question, and that is, um, Scrapple, overrated, <laughs> underrated, or, I, you know, it's it's all right.
1: Um, Okay. I'm going to preface this. Most Scrapple is terrible. Most Scrapple is, is just terrible. But my grandmother makes her own Scrapple, and it's pretty good. Okay. Uh, it's not something I'm going to eat every day, um, and I don't really want to know what's in it um but it is good on occasion
0: okay um you're really you're really
1: asking some very very controversial questions here i think the hate mail is going to come pouring in
0: so for those of you those of you who are not from pennsylvania i will put a wikipedia link or some kind of link in there to explain what scrapple is you're gonna to have to look it up on your own it's a pennsylvania thing and um yeah it there are very few people who have a neutral stance on Scrapple. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. Listen, yeah. Drew Donaldson, don't, thank don't you.
1: Don't read it before you eat, by the way. that That yeah. is an after-dinner article to read.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, maybe. But the <laughs> other piece is that if you read it afterwards and you're like, I really ate that. Um, yeah, uh-huh. so anyway. Yeah. Drew Donaldson, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate you sharing your expertise. You are indeed a smart person to all my listeners. Thank you for being with me. And I will remind you as always, that when you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody.